Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on January 26th, 2022 during our Wednesday evening service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. 15. There's nothing quite like a clear night sky when the stars above you are shining you can see the big dipper and all the constellations there's nothing quite like that and there was not a night quite like this one in genesis 15 when god drew abram's attention to the same stars the same night sky and he made a promise to him that we're going to look at tonight. In the midst of Abram's fear, in the midst of his doubts, and remember his fear was not the fear of man, it was the fear of disappointment. That the promises that God had made to him were not coming to pass. It had been decades since God had called him to leave his home and come to this strange land this dangerous land of Canaan. And he obeyed God. And he'd seen God do great miracles and deliver him, but he hadn't seen God keep those promises that God had made him back in Genesis chapter 12. That he was going to make him a great nation. He couldn't even have his own child at this point. And so he was afraid is is God going to come through for me is he going to keep his promises and we saw last time we were together the great faithfulness of God even in the midst of our spiritual fog God will lead us sometimes into the fog but he will always lead us out of the fog if we will follow the light that he gives to us and so Tonight, Genesis chapter 15, again, as we finish up, Lord willing, this particular message, steps to defeating our doubts and finding our faith in the fog. Let's read these first few verses again, uh, Genesis chapter 15, and then I'll just very quickly remind you of the four steps that we've already talked about After these things, the word of the Lord, after what things? After the great victory that uh, he had experienced over the uh, great king uh, Kedoliamar, who had conquered giants and conquered a rebellion and kidnapped his nephew. Abram went after him with only a little over 300 men and was able by God's miraculous intervention. And Melchizedek reminds Abram of that. This was God intervening and giving you the victory he experiences a great victory 
but now the thrill of battle is over and the thrill of victory is over and he's alone with his doubts. And so after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Remember, we, we don't use words like behold and lo. So sometimes we read them and don't consider the impact. What, it, what is Abram saying to God when he says behold and when he says lo? He's saying, God, listen to me. God, do I have your attention? And have you ever felt that way when you're trying to pray, that you're trying to get God's attention and you're wondering, God, are you even listening? This is Abram as he's praying and wrestling with God in this vision. And behold, God, this is God saying behold. This is Moses now saying behold. Abram is saying, God, look at me, listen up. And now Moses is saying, hey, hey, you, reader, don't miss God's answer. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir. But he shall come forth out of thine own bowels. He that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And verse 6, And he, Abram, believed in the Lord. And he counted it, he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abram, for righteousness. Now, we said uh, last time we were together that there are four steps in those verses that we need to take if we want to get out of, if we want to get through the spiritual fog that we often find ourselves in when we can't see more than a few steps in front of us and that only if we have the light of God's Word in our hands. If we don't have God's Word open, we have no light. We're in the, we're in the dark completely. But when we at least have the light of God's Word, we can see a few steps ahead. We can just see barely the path in front of us in the midst of the fog. And here's the steps that we need to take. Number one, remember that the Lord is your shield. Don't trust in men. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your resources, your intelligence. The Lord is the only shield that will never crack. He's the only shield that will never fail. He's the only shield that will never falter. Number two, Treasure the Lord is your greatest reward. God has incredible blessings. We spent a number of weeks in Ephesians chapter 1 talking about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ that are kept in heaven for us where the, where the, uh, the thieves can't get to it and the moth can't get to it and rust and decay.
find out who that was and we'll take care of it. All right. Remember the Lord is your shield. Treasure the Lord as your greatest reward. Number three, identify your biggest questions and take them to God. You have questions. You have doubts. You do because you're a human being. I do because I'm a human being. We all do because we have not yet seen Jesus Christ in his glory. We have not yet been united with the Lord. And so in this life, the Apostle Paul said we have to walk by faith, not sight. And that means that we're going to have to believe even when we can't see. And we're going to have to trust even when we don't have. And that's what the Christian life is all about. It's about walking by faith, not by sight. And so let's just be honest about that. Let's not pretend that we've got it all together, especially in front of God who already knows our heart. He already knows our doubts. And so let's take our doubts to the Lord, our questions to the Lord, and allow him to answer them. Number four, we need to look up and we need to trust the maker of the stars. And we need to stop and do what God told Abram to do, which is look up, look at what I've accomplished, look, look at how powerful I am, look at how I work, and know that I am able to keep every single promise that I have made to you. Now, tonight, part two, we want to take a few more steps of faith so that we can get through the spiritual fog that we all struggle with. Number five, Obey the Lord's instructions unconditionally. Obey the Lord's instructions unconditionally. Now, let me remind you that having faith does not mean that all of your questions are going to go away. And the fact that you still have questions does not mean you are, you are failing in your faith. Abram is our, Abraham is our model of faith, and Abraham had lots of questions. David was a man of incredible faith. But as you read through the Psalms, you're going to see David many times say, Lord, how long? And he's going to ask God questions. And that's part of a living, breathing relationship with the living God. Is We're going to have questions. And so let's pick it up. Verse 6, he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Remember what I have done for you. But then Abram said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that, that, that I shall inherit it? God, I believe you. But you got to help me out a little bit. God, I'm just frail. I'm just a, I'm just a man. I, I believe you, God. And, and we know that he meant it because God tells us that he believed in the Lord. But he still had questions. God, how is this going to work? How is this going to come together? So what does God say? He said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. So what he did was he made a sacrifice, and he cut these animals, not the birds, but he cut these animals right down the middle, and he laid them out. It's a gruesome scene. When you think about it, it's a gruesome scene. It, it's, a, it's a messy work. Those, so, those of you who have gone hunting, those of you who have gutted your own deer, you understand what he's, what's involved in all of this. We don't make sacrifices of animals anymore. Hopefully you don't because you shouldn't. 
because Hebrews says that's, un, that's all gone now. It's unnecessary. All of those things were just shadows. They were just pictures of Messiah, Jesus. But now we have the Lamb of God, the once-for-all sacrifice, so we don't have to offer sacrifices over and over again. But we have all of this bloody stink and, and all of this, uh, this gore that God has called him to do. And what does Abram do? He, he obeys. He just obeys. He doesn't, he doesn't stop and say, well, God, why do I have to do this? Or, God, you answer my question and then I'll obey. No, no, no. He has questions. But he says, God, even though you haven't answered my question yet, I'm going to obey what you've called me to do. Faith is a decision that moves us in a direction without making demands. And it's okay to have questions. It's not okay to make demands of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. Our obedience must be tied to our trust, just as God's blessings are tied to our obedience. There's a number of passages we could look at. Let me just uh, very quickly take you to a couple of them. Leviticus chapter 26, God is speaking through Moses to the people. He says in verse 2, You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, if if you are obedient, then, verse 4, I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely, and I will give peace in the land. Listen, all of these blessings I will give you, all of these physical blessings, but you have to obey me. And what do we see as we walk through the Old Testament? We see repeatedly time and time again where the people uh, get spoiled in God's blessing and their hearts turn from God and they get into idolatry and God removes the blessing. He removes the protection. And then the people cry out to God, Oh God, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. And God removes the enemies and He restores the blessing. And then the people repeat, in their compromise over and over and over again we see it not just through the book of judges we see it through the entire old testament and the truth is many of us if we're honest would have to say we've seen that in our own lives in our own testimony when we are obeying god and god is blessing us beyond what we deserve and then if we're not careful our heart can get spoiled by god's blessings and it's why God will sometimes allow us to go through difficult times and trials that are not the result of our direct sin, but so that we will not forget to keep our eyes on Him. So that we will not get so enamored with all of God's blessings that we stumble and fall because our eyes are not on Him. And so we have to be willing to obey God, recognizing that the blessings are not going to be there in abundance when we are disobedient. Psalm 91 is a similar passage of Scripture. I won't read the entire psalm, but the psalmist says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Listen, if you are sincere in your pursuit of relationship with God, if your prayer time is not just checking the boxes so that you can say, yes, I spent, I, yes, I said my prayers, right? I ate my vegetables, I ate my vitamins, I said my prayers. But if 
in your time with God, you are really seeking the Lord Most High. Then, verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. Then we can say, surely, verse 3, He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings. By the way, this does not mean that God has wings. Okay, this is a metaphor. This is a picture. He shall cover thee with his feathers. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. We're going to see some terror by night here in just a second. Nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not Come nigh thee. If we are sincerely seeking God and sincerely finding our refuge and our hope in Him, He will not abandon us. He will not betray us. He will not fail us. But the reason that sometimes we feel like He is abandoning us and if we feel like He is failing us is because we are failing Him. Because we're not sincerely seeking Him. We're not sincerely pursuing Him. Obedience is tied to trust. We can't say, I have faith, but then we're not obeying. And blessings are tied to our obedience. Now, let me say two quick things about this obedience. And this will be what, by way of review. We've talked about these things in the past. Number one, obedience begins with saving faith. If you're not saved, you're not obeying God. Okay? So the very first step, people think that they're working their way to heaven. People think, oh, I'm such a good person. God's going to let me in. Listen, you want, you want to meet God's standard? Here's what God demands. The people ask Jesus, what does God require of us? And Jesus said, that you believe on him that he sent. You want to know what God's requirement is? Believe in me. You have to believe in Jesus. That means you have to admit that you're a sinner, that you can't save yourself, that you can't earn your own salvation, but that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He shed his blood to pay for your sin. And he rose again victoriously from the dead. And he is offering you absolution. He's offering you forgiveness that he's already purchased for you. But you must repent. You must admit that you need that forgiveness and that you need him as your Savior. And if you will call upon the Lord, you will be saved. Now, men and women, Abram, Sarai, everyone before Jesus Christ came, everyone was saved the same way. This is what Hebrews 11 is all about. We've always been saved by faith. And we've always been saved by faith in the provision that God provided. The provision that God provided Abram was blood sacrifice. The provision that God provided Abel was blood sacrifice. The provision that God provided everyone up until Jesus came was blood sacrifice. And Hebrews chapter 10 says that was a picture, that was just a model, a shadow of the coming sacrifice. All of those sacrifices that God required were just pictures and were just models and shadows of the ultimate sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And so the provision, it, Hebrews says it is a new and living way because now we have the actual 
Lamb of God who has died for us and risen again. Now we don't need to repeat the sacrifice over and over and over again. Now it is once for all. But, but in Abram's day, it was repeated. Repeated because it was just a picture. It was just an image. And as Hebrews uh, 10 says, the, the blood of, of animals cannot take away sin. It couldn't cover sin. Only the Lamb of God could do that. So the first question is, have I truly trusted in the provision of God? Have I believed in and acted upon the provision of God, Jesus Christ? And then for those of us who have done that, obedience begins with saving faith, but obedience grows with serving faith. And so I have to ask myself, am I believing and acting upon the promises of God? I'm saved by trusting in the provision of God. That's Jesus Christ. But I grow as a Christian by trusting in the promises of God. And this is the model that Abraham is, is setting for us here. Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And now he is going to grow in his faith by serving God as he believes and acts upon the promises of God. And all of those promises, by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, fulfilled by Jesus Christ, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, Paul said all of the promises of God, the promises that we're going to read about here in just a few seconds, Paul says, fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus has written yes over all of those promises. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when we came and preached to you about the promises of God, we didn't say, yeah, this promise is, is, is a go and this promise is a go, but these promises, no, God failed there. No, 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 no. Paul says they're all, all of them are yes because of what Jesus Christ has done. So all of these promises that we're going to look at now, and I want you to consider for a moment the, the faith of Abram. He's a childless man. He is now in his 70s. His wife is in, his, in her 60s. She has been barren her whole life, unable to have children. And God is saying, you are going to have descendants that are more numerous than the stars you can count. Abram, start counting and keep counting until you run out of fingers and you run out of toes and you run out of, by the way, pick up sand and start counting sand and you're going you're gonna to run out before what I accomplish is fulfilled. And Abram is looking at his 60-something-year-old wife and he's looking at himself in the mirror or, or you know, looking down in the water Whatever they had for mirrors back then. I know they had mirrors back then. They weren't quite as sharp as they are for us today. But. And he's looking at himself, and he, but he believed God. God says, I'm, uh, your, your nation, I'm going to make you a nation, and it's going to bless the entire world. You're not just going to have descendants. You're going to be a blessing to the entire world. Your descendant, your seed, and Paul says in Galatians that this is speaking of Jesus Christ specifically, is going to bless the entire world. He's walking in a land filled with giants. And God says, no, no, no. The giants are going to, I'm going to take them, I'm going to take them out. All these, all these people groups, all these violent tribes of people, these wicked people who sacrifice their own children. Uh, we haven't evolved, by, by the way, very much, have we? All of these wicked people in this land that is so corrupt and so perverted... I'm going to cleanse it, and I'm going to give it to your descendants, and your descendant 
forever. And Abram goes, I can't see it. I can't imagine it, but I'll believe it. And let me start cutting some animals open. All right. So what happens next? Look at verse 10. He took unto him all these, divided them in the midst, and laid each one against another, and the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, we, if you were here in our study of prophecy, one of the things that we saw in our study on prophecy was that in visions and dreams and in prophecy, that birds are often symbolic of spiritual beings. When the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus Christ at his baptism, he descended as a, as a dove. But we also see in Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus is telling the parable of the sower, that the birds, when they come and they eat the seed that's on the highway, that's on the road, Jesus said that's symbolic of the devil taking the word of God out of people's hearts before they can really meditate on it. And then think about it, he's just distracting them, he's just... They hear the gospel, but they, that the devil comes along and so distracts them that it's like the word of God didn't even touch their ears. And so there, the, the birds, and often throughout prophecy, we could, we could look at number of passages where, where birds are symbolic of demonic spirits, especially vultures and carrion birds are symbolic of demonic spirits. And that's what we see here, that, that these birds are trying to interrupt the sacrifice. They're trying to distract Abram from what God has called him to do, and he keeps having to chase these birds away, which are sim symbolic of the distractions of the devil. And then look, notice what happens. Verse 12, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. He had an incredible nightmare. And God doesn't tell us all of the things that he had in his nightmare. In fact, God doesn't really highlight very many of them, but we get a hint at some of what he was seeing in his dreams. And it appears, based on what, what God says to him, that some of what he was seeing what was, is what was going to happen in the future to his descendants. Because listen to what happens Next, he says, and he, Abraham, um, he, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. So what is he seeing apparently in his, in his dream that is horrifying him? He is seeing Egypt. He is seeing the enslavement of his descendants in Egypt before God raises up Moses as their deliverer. The one who will be like the Messiah. The one who will be the prophet like Jesus Christ. Before that, the people in Egypt are subjugated and enslaved. And apparently, Abram is seeing this in his vision and it's horrifying him what's going to happen in the future. But but there's, here's the promise, that that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and they shall come out with great substance, and thou shalt go to thy father in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces so these animals that he's laid out here comes God in the form of fire and he is walking 
through the sacrifice. He's walking through the blood. And what did the light of the world do when he came to earth? He shed his blood. He shed his blood to make the way for all of these promises in the scriptures to be fulfilled. That we can see the fulfillment and faithfulness of God and the fulfillment of these promises. And Abram is seeing a, a vision of what God is going to do in the flesh as he sees God in the fire and the blood. Verse 18, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. By the way, uh, that's a big section of land, and Israel today is just a fraction of what God is going to make Israel in the last days and in the kingdom when he sets his kingdom up. That land belongs to the king of Israel. And Israel has a king. He is alive, and he is coming back to take his throne. Now, they're living in rebellion today. They're living in, in rebellion today. It's why they're not experiencing all of these blessings that God has promised Abram and that God has promised his descendants, that God has promised the seed of Abram, which is Messiah, Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, Jesus Christ will return and claim what is his and from Israel rule over all of his creation, every nation, tribe, and tongue. So what can we learn from this? We can learn as we walk through the fog of, of our spiritual doubts that we need to expect both difficulties and deliverance. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. God did not promise you that you would not walk through the fog. You are going to go through the fog. You're going to go through the bog. You're going to go through the fire and the flame and the flood, and God is going to get you through all of it. If you'll keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll keep your eyes on him and he is your shield and he is your reward and you are obeying even when you don't understand and you're obeying and you're truly seeking him even when you don't see, you can believe. Yes, the difficulties are here and they're going to come, but God will deliver. And he says, Abram, I know what you're seeing is horrifying you, but you better understand that I'm going to take those people out of Egypt and I'm going to give them this land. I was, we had a, uh, a group of us were talking a few weeks ago, and um, some of you know uh, Tom Bostoff. He's a nurse practitioner in the area. And Tom was talking about God's faithfulness, and, and he said, he, he looked at me and he said, DJ, when you have a problem, get excited because your God is about to do something big. And I thought, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> That's good. When you get, when you have, a, and this is a man who's got, who's had some trials, some physical, some, you know, he's been through some physical trials. He's been through trials. When you have a problem, get excited because God's going to do something big and you're going to get to see it and you're going to get to get part of it. And you're going to get, you're, you're going to get to have a testimony. So let's not get despairing when it gets dark. Let's get excited about what God is going to do. Expect difficulty, but expect deliverance. And here's the last thing, the last step that I want us to take together that we need to take if we're going to follow the example of Abram. 
Number seven, we have to submit to the long-term, big-picture perspective of God's plan. We have to be willing to see the big picture. Now, what do I mean by the big picture? I mean two things. I mean the long-term big picture, that what God is doing in my life today is tied to what he's going to do 10 years from now if God gives me another 10 years. I mean, I can look back at 40, I'm almost 49. I can look back uh, the last 40 years. I've been a Christian now for over 40 years as a kid, got saved as a kid, and over 40 years ago, and I can look back and see things that happened when I was just a kid, single digits, double digit teenager in my 20s, and my things that God was doing that are now bearing fruit, that are now God is, is connecting the dots, and I don't see it all yet, and I, there are things I'll, I'll never know. I'll never know all of God's faithfulness to me. But there's a big picture. We know. We know if you're saved, you already know that all things work together for the good of them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Paul says that in Romans 8. He says, look, you already know this or you wouldn't be saved. You already know the plan, the redemptive plan of God. God has a big picture plan for you. But here's the other side of that. God isn't just working on you. You realize that? God's working on everybody else too. And sometimes we want, to, we want God to treat us like we're an only child. Nothing wrong with being an only child. We have an only child. He gets to have our attention all the time. He doesn't even, sometimes even like it when we're talking to each other. Talk to me. Why are you talking to mommy? Uh, because I love your mommy and, and uh, there's things we have to talk about. Well, I, I was talking to mommy. We have that attitude with God. Why are you, why are you talking to somebody? Why are you working on something? Listen, sometimes God is doing one thing in your life that is connected to a bunch of other lives and you can't see all the connections because you're, you're small. You're just a human being. You're just made of flesh and blood. God is spirit. God is transcendent. My, you know what my son asked me today? This is awesome. He said, how old is God? He said, God, isn't, God doesn't have an age, Bubby. He's eternal. But how old is God? He doesn't have an age. He's eternal. He, he created us. We have a beginning. He doesn't have a beginning. So we have to remember that. I said, Did you, were you talking about that in school today? He said, no. I don't know if they were or not, but he said they weren't. So I don't know where I don't know what, what his little mind was was thinking that he came up with that question. But listen, God has a big picture plan, and it involves a lot of time and it involves a lot of people. And here we in this passage we see first of all God is making an unconditional covenant with Abram. God's going to make a covenant with Abram that's going to apply to every one of his descendants. It's going to be offered to every one of his descendants, and God is doing something. Even in the sin of his descendants, Paul talks about this in Galatians 3 and 4, and we taught through that um, last summer, I think, or maybe the summer before that. You can go back and catch those messages if you're interested, Galatians 3 and 4. We talked about the fact that God was allowing Israel's disobedience so that he could bring the Gentiles, that's us, by the way, into these promises that God made to Abram so that we get to experience the blessings of these things as well. Just because we're not physically descended from Abram, because of what Jesus Christ has done, if you're in Christ, you are in the seed 
of Abraham, and you get to experience the promises that God has made to him through Jesus Christ. God made an unconditional covenant with Abram. Nothing that Israel did after this night under the stars can change what God promised Abram under the stars. You understand that? Paul says that very clearly in Galatians chapter 3. Once you make a covenant, you can't go back at a later date and qualify the covenant. Right? I stood before God and my wife, and I said, in sickness and in health, to have and to hold from this day forward till death do us part. I don't get to come back and say, oh, well, unless you, you get COVID, that sickness doesn't count. Right? I don't get to say that. You would say that's stupid, and you would be right. But that's what's how some people think that God was treating the Israelites. That God, when he gave the law of Moses, was all of a sudden changing the promises and saying, well, well, I'm not... Uh, I'm going to put some conditions on those promises I made to Abram. No, 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 no. Paul, Galatians chapter 3, God made those promises not just to Abram, but he made them to Jesus Christ. And if God failed to keep his promise because of the sin of Israel, then he was failing to keep his promise to his own son, Jesus Christ. And God did not fail. And Jesus did not fail. And these promises are still in effect. The land does belong to Jesus Christ. And all of these blessings belong to Jesus Christ. And if you are in Christ, they belong to you too. And that's what's so exciting. And so as we close, God was not only dealing with Abram. God was dealing with his descendants. God was dealing with the nations. Look again at what he says here in in chapter 15 he says in verse let me find it real quick verse 16 he says in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full I'm still giving the Amorites time to repent I'm still giving them you know why you haven't gotten your blessing yet Abram because I'm still giving these people time to repent their iniquity is not full yet You know why you have to wait? Because I'm being merciful over here. And sometimes God's mercy to one person causes you to experience a little bit of a delay, quote-unquote, on your timetable, but your timetable is not God's timetable. What does God say through the prophet Isaiah? My my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Listen, I'm way above, uh, I have a way different perspective than you guys have. I have the eternal perspective. I have the the top-down perspective. All you can see is your little corner of the world, but I see everything at the same time, and I got this. And so we have to remember that God has the big picture, and we just have to submit to his plan. He is working in our lives, but every one of our lives is connected and interconnected with other people's lives as well. That's why the church is essential. Because Ephesians chapter 4, we're one body, interconnected with one another. And every part has to do its part if we're going to make this work. And it's the God who gives the increase. But it's Paul who plants and Apollos who waters. And that's the way God has set it up. So our lives are interconnected with one another. And I have to submit to that.
Sometimes God is not working in a way that I think he should because he is juggling billions of people just in the world just today, let alone the future and the past all at once. And don't worry, he's got it. He can get you through the fog if you will keep your eyes on him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the faith of Abram. God, in the midst of disappointment and delay, God, that he still kept his eyes on you. And so, God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God. We have seen your word fulfilled, your promise fulfilled in the sending of Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, God. And all that Jesus has done for us on the cross, in the resurrection, all that he continues to do as our, as our great high priest in the heavenlies, and God, our soon returning king. And so, God, may we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus to get through the whatever fog we find ourselves in in this life, knowing that you are always faithful. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and you would like to know how, please give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.